0: As the number of cath lab patients grows, so does the need to work smarter and faster. With the all new Philips Intracite, you can experience a comprehensive suite of clinically proven imaging and physiology tools, including IFR co registration, and go beyond the angiogram to further understand patient anatomy and disease. Learn more at philips.com/intracite. You're listening to Heart Sounds. TCTMD's award-winning podcast, this month, guest host by Caitlin Cox.
1: Hello, and welcome to the May 2019 edition of Heart Sounds. I'm Caitlin Cox, your guest host this month, while TCTMD's managing editor, Shelley Wood, wraps up the last of the many meetings we've covered in the span of only a few weeks. So what have TCTMD reporters been up to? Todd Neal kicked off May in San Francisco at HRS, Yael yeah, well, Maxwell made it to Las Vegas for Sky. Shelley and I, along with Laura McEwen and Michael O'Reardon, teamed up for EuroPCR in Paris. And believe it or not, the journey didn't end there for Shelley and Mike. She headed to Greece for the European Society of Cardiology Heart Failure Congress. And he wound up in the Netherlands for the European Atherosclerosis Society meeting. Despite the fact that I made room for several days of exploring Paris' streets and lounging in various cafes, here at the end of May, I already feel like I need another vacation. Luckily, we all have a lot to look forward to over the summer in terms of cardio news and features here on TCTMD. We'll also get a well-deserved bit of downtime as the weather heats up and the conference calendar cools down. For now though, let's check out the highlights of where we've been. Todd Neal gets the honors of being first in our lineup by virtue of kicking off our first May meeting, the annual Heart Rhythm Society Conference. There, one of the big stories to come out focused on heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction who aren't candidates for cardiac resynchronization therapy. Results from the BEAT-HF trial showed that people in this situation might benefit from baroreflex activation therapy, at least in the short term. Clyde Yancey of Northwestern Medicine in Chicago, commenting on the news for TCTMD, told Todd that the findings are encouraging. On the whole, he said, the heart failure field is gaining steam
2: is a wonderful uh, reemergence of broad interest in heart failure. I think there really has been a bit of a a renaissance in the field, where several years ago, conversations I would have had with you and your peers in the medical media would have been fairly dour conversations, that nothing seems to work, we're making no headway, we have a burden of disease that's growing and growing, we've got HFPEF that we know very little about, and we have very few effective tools for HFREF, I think that whole narrative is changing now. Now that we understand we can prevent disease, we have effective treatments for the disease. We need to do more things with computation science. We hopefully have more information emerging or have whether we positive or not, we don't know, but more information emerging. And now we're beginning to revisit provocative different other um, device therapies, whether it's this therapy or the delayed um, uh, pacing, the delayed... Uh, after potential pacing from the fixed HF studies or the implantable PA monitor, I'm pretty enthused that um, the field has been reinvigorated. And this is another example of that reinvigoration. And I shouldn't forget about the breakthroughs that we've made in the, in LVAD technologies. So it's a good day to be involved in heart failure. A lot of things are being discussed, contemplated, pursued. and the end result from this wave of excitement there's another set of effective therapies, um, then that would be for the good.
1: Back in the glitzy glamour of Vegas, Yael Maxwell was hard at work covering the Society for Cardiovascular Angiography and Interventions meeting. Among her many stories was news that will surely be welcomed by clinicians and researchers alike. The first ever standardized set of definitions for cardiogenic shock. So far, the reception has been warm. The hope is that this first step will enable care teams to speak the same language and provide researchers with precise terms so that they can more accurately study this heterogeneous patient cohort. At Sky, the Documents Writing Committee Chair, Srihari Naidu, who hails from Westchester Medical Center and New York Medical College in Valhalla, explained why they tackled this project.
0: we so were very clear that we want a multi-society, multiple disciplinary, Approach to this. So we had surgery, critical care nursing, emergency medicine, critical care cardiology, um, and basic science cardiology, heart failure transplant representatives, and of course several people from interventional cardiology this was a, a sky document. But we had a, a good variety of people involved in this space. And we presented this as a simultaneous publication that just happened uh, today and endorsed by AHA, ACC, STS, and critical care medicine. The goals, of course, are, are many, and these are eight of them. We wanted something simple and intuitive without the need for calculation add granularity to the severity of shock, suitable for rapid assessment at the bedside, allows frequent reassessment and reclassification, can be applied to retrospective databases uh, and future trials to better define the included population. We want to provide a new lexicon for communication between providers, so it's very easy to pick up the phone and tell somebody that I have a class whatever type of shock, as opposed to just having a typical uh, cargenic shock. And something that we can rally behind to maybe have a hub and spoke model where people can bring in to the, to the hub the higher-level shocks. It should have prognostic discriminatory potential for morbidity and mortality. And finally, it really should be easy to remember.
1: Your PCR was a bit of a whirlwind for the four of us TCTMD journalists in Paris. Shelley Wood, in particular, continued her ongoing expertise in all things co The latest insights released in Paris showed that lower residual MR at 30 days was strongly tied to better outcomes in these patients with heart failure and severe secondary mitral regurgitation. This association held true no matter whether patients had received mitraglyp or guideline-directed medical therapy. Saibal senior at sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, presented the findings in a hotline session. Afterwards, discussant Nina Wunderlich of Cardiovascular Center at Darmstadt in Germany put the findings in context. Here's what she had to say.
3: Patients with heart failure and mitral regurgitation are trapped in a fatal cycle because of what? If you have a dysfunction of the left ventricle, this leads to dilation of the ventricle, this again leads to a severe intensive mitral regurgitation due to tethering or anulodilation. The mitral regurgitation again leads to an increased volume and wall stress and this again leads to muscle damage and again to a more worsened dysfunction of the left ventricle. So what we know is that about 50% of the patients with moderate uh, with heart failure are suffering from moderate to severe mitral regurgitation, and these patients with moderate and severe mitral regurgitation have worse outcomes. What we also know right now is that optimal, optimal medical therapy is not able to counterbalance the maladaptive processes caused by functional mitral regurgitation. So at the end, there are two principal questions we have to answer. The first one is, if we perform an intervention at the mitral valve to reduce mitral regurgitation, is this capable to change the clinical cause of the patients? And this could be answered positively by the op study. So in this study, patients with heart failure and moderate to severe functional mitral regurgitation had a reduction in LV volumes, had a lower risk of death from any cause, and a lower risk of hospitalization for heart failure in the microclip group, after two years of follow-up. So yes, we can answer this question. We are able to change the clinical course of these patients. The second important question is, if we perform an intervention um, at the valve, how good do our results have to be to achieve such a benefit for the patient? And this could be answered by the the sub-study from the uh, co-op analysis we've just seen. And this emphasizes how important it is to achieve a mitroglucutation grade which is less than two plus. And this can be done either with a clip or with optimal medical therapy, but we, if, compa- if we compare these two treatment strategies, um, we can reach this goal in about 93% with a clip, and only in about three, uh, 34% in the patient group which are treated medically. So if you wanted to draw a conclusion, we could say, Um, patients with heart failure and moderate to severe mitral regurgitation who are meeting the co-operability criteria in these patients a mitral clip could be the new standard of care provided that patients are under optimal medical therapy and that mitral clip results are good and this means that we have to do any effort to lower the uh, degree of mitral regurgitation to a degree less than 2 plus
1: Also at EuroPCR, Laura McEwen reported on the Revelation randomized clinical trial. Though preliminary, its results are provocative, suggesting that drug coated balloons may have a role in treating acute MI, especially in younger patients with certain lesion characteristics. Data from the 120-patient study showed that nine months after intervention, fractional flow reserve with DCB therapy was non-inferior to what was seen with contemporary DES. Revelation Investigator Nicola S. Boes from OLVG Hospital in Amsterdam shared the rationale behind their trial.
4: We all know that primary PCI is the preferred reperfusion strategy and as ST elevation myocardial infarction. And throughout the years, the need for repeat revascularization significantly decreased by the use of bare metal followed by the use of drug-eluting stents. However, Routine stenting did not result in a reduction in the incidence of cardiac death or recurrent myocardial infarction. And besides the risk of restenosis, permanent vascular implants and especially drug-eluting stents lead to an increased risk of very late stent thrombosis. And especially in a subset of ST elevation myocardial infarction. Factors like um, delayed tissue coverage and incomplete stent deposition are more frequently observed. And considering the absence of superiority with regard to hard clinical endpoints, angioplasty with a drug-coated balloon may be a therapeutic strategy without the disadvantages of stent implantation and with reducing the probability of restenosis observed in the plain old balloon angioplasty. We conducted a randomized control trial in the OVG in Amsterdam and we compared the Paclitaxel eluting balloon versus the third generation drug eluting stands in primary PCI and we used a Pantera-Lux drug eluting balloon. As a primary endpoint, we assessed the functional assessment of the infarct-related lesion by fractional flow reserve at nine months' follow-up, and we believe it would not be sufficient to use only angiographic assessment when comparing a balloon versus stent strategy, and we all know it's really difficult to identify lesions causing ischemia only by coronary angiogram or offline QCA.
1: And finally, a big story from Michael A. to come out of your PCR centered on five-year results from the CHOICE study of high-risk patients with aortic stenosis. Whether TAVR was done via balloon-expandable Sapien XT or the self-expanding core valve, patients fared equally well. That said, there were some nuanced differences in valve performance over time. Lead investigator Mohammed Abdel Wahab of Heart Center Leipzig in Germany elaborated on this conclusion during a hotline session.
0: So the essentials to remember in conclusion, this is the first report of five-year outcomes of balloon expandable versus self-expanding THVs from, ran- from a randomized head-to-head trial. The trial shows comparative mortality, stroke, and rehospitalization for heart failure at five years with the early generation balloon expandable and self-expanding valves. The initial differences in paraval leaks were not evident at five years. On the other hand, forward flow hemodynamics were superior with the self-expanding device at all time points, particularly at five years. Subtle differences were observed in clinical valve thrombosis and structure valve deterioration, favoring the self-expanding valve, and uh, they definitely need further confirmation.
1: That's it for our highlights of May meetings. For myself, though, I'd like to put in a little plug for a project that's captured my heart for nearly a year. My first ever investigative report for TCTMD Coming in at 7,000 words, we call this whopper, peripheral vision, as office-based practices proliferate who is watching out for patients. It was hard work, but also a lot of fun, in that I got to learn how to search court records, police reports, Medicare databases, and the like. The most difficult part, in my mind, was seeking to balance the big picture and the small. Where is the field headed in terms of care settings and quality control? And how can individual doctors wanting to offer top-notch care for their patients, navigate these changes. Much of my story centered on Port St. Lucie, Florida, where a community of physicians is frustrated by what they see as a slow pace of oversight. But I also spoke with Skylar Jones, Manish Patel, Michael Jaff, and others to learn the nuts and bolts of office-based labs on a national level. One thing was clear. If done right, OBLs are in fact an opportunity to incentivize good behavior and align the interests of healthcare systems, physicians, and patients in a way that benefits everyone. As Patel put it, is there a sunny side, and how do you grow the sunny side? Please do check it out online and let me know what you think. I'm hoping to follow up this feature with another that highlights practices already doing great work, with tips from physicians on how they achieve this. Thank you for listening, and I hope all your summers are off to a great start. Keep in touch with your news, and as always, keep reading TCTMD to hear what your colleagues are up to you can reach me on Twitter at TCTMD underscore Caitlin. Bye for now.